0: Hello and welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Sunday, March 19th, 2023. Mark Daly here flying solo and because Hamilton's off doing Hamilton things with the family tonight, that's why I'm mixing it up a little bit going back to our original intro music just to let you know that this isn't quite our usual show. Anyways... We have another race to talk about. The Saudi Arabian Grand Prix 2023 edition went down earlier today. And we'll talk about that tonight. And we'll talk about fantasy and a whole bunch of other stuff. A shout out to Rocky. Checking in on the live stream on YouTube. Rocky, how's it going, my man? Yes, as I said, just me tonight flying solo. So Rocky, if you want to, you can kind of slide in and you can be like my virtual co-host if you're cool with that. Anyways, yeah, Saudi Arabia went down third running of Jeddah and it seems like we've been here like a million times already first time in 2021 2022 and 2023 of course last year in 2021 there was only a couple of uh, months between them because we saw it at the end of the 21 season second race round two of last year same as this year but i don't know maybe it's just me doesn't feel like 12 months have passed since we were at Jeddah last year but let's not get into that because that also is an indication of like my advancing age <laughs> <laughs> or at least it feels like it's ticking up more and more, which of course it is every year. Anyhow, before we get into it, let's take a look at what's happening in our fantasy league, the Scuderia F1 podcast, Super League 2023. Good news for Scuderia Westwood F1, which is my team, moved up almost 200 places over the, well, not quite 200 places, went from 599 to 414 for this week. So had some uh, good showings, making some moves here in my team, you know, made some changes. So hopefully we'll see things for at least from my point of view. I mean, I can't win the grand prize of the autographed Max helmet, but sure, I'm going to try and at least for bragging rights, I have to appear like I know what I'm doing. I hope (laughs) we'll see about that. Anyways, top five Bengals bubs with 706 points. Audi F1 team, 693. Aston gives you wings, 680. Charles CL also is 680 at Free Ukraine, 680. And Green Bull Romeo. A lot of ton pack in that one. Anyways, that's the top six. Anyhow, I had to throw in Green Bull Romeo because that is just kind of, uh, like I say, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> Anyhow, where do we want to start with this one? Well, let's go over the the race classification of the top 10 and then we can break down which was a lot of eventful things happening on the streets of Jeddah this weekend. Maybe not for all the reasons that we wanted to. Anyways, winning this year, Sujo Perez, you know, you didn't hear that incorrectly, Checo winning of just about five and a half seconds ahead of his teammate, Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, who finished on the podium, then off the podium, and then back on the podium for his hundredth time in his Formula One career, only the sixth Formula One driver to do so. George Russell was the first of the two Mercedes drivers home in P4, followed by his teammate Lewis Hamilton in P5. Then we have a pair of Ferraris in six and seven with Carlos Sainz, a shot. Charles Leclerc. Then a pair of Alpines led by Esteban Ocon and then Pierre Gasly. Gasly scoring new points for his new team in only his second race out. And then Kevin Magnussen scoring a P10 for Haas. And uh, there you go on that one. So I guess we could now all of a sudden, uh, well, let, let's go over the, um, the Drivers' Championship because this will frame a lot of what we're going to talk about. Max Verstappen leading his Red Bull teammate now by a single point. Max with 44 points. Sergio Perez with 43 points for Nando Alonso, though you did not hear this incorrectly. And no, it is not 2006 or thereabouts. Anyways, Nando third, in the drivers' championship, currently with thirty points, ten points ahead of his countryman Carlos Sainz from Ferrari, who also has twenty or who has twenty points. Pardon me, Lewis Hamilton is a fifth in the drivers' uh, championship with twenty points, and just for the sake of it, George Russell is only two points behind his Mercedes teammate with eighteen points after two races. Top five in the constructors: Red Bull with eighty-seven, Aston Martin with thirty-eight, Mercedes also with thirty-eight. Ferrari with 26, and then Alpine rounding out the top five in the constructors with five points. So yes, there were plenty of things to talk about this weekend. And let's just dive right into it because the big saga, of course, was Fernando Alonso finishing third in the, uh, in the race uh, today, but only to have his podium yanked away from him for a, uh, a stop and go penalty infraction where the, the stewards had judged uh, to, or the fact that the Jack had uh, been touching the car while he was serving that uh, five second stop penalty for that. He was awarded or penalized. I guess it's, stop-and-go penalty isn't uh, awarded, you're penalized with after he lined up a little bit to, too far of the left of his um, his grid space um, at the start there. And, you know, it was really funny, right? Because Fernando, he knew that uh, he got the, the, the penalty, got communicated to him over race radio, didn't really fight about it. I guess he knew it was coming. And anyways, at about lap eighteen or thereabouts, lap twenty, whatever it was, we had a safety car. After Lance Stroll, his car let go on him, and he had to pull off to the side of the track. Which that was a bit of a strange one too, because it looked like he was well off the track. Tried to pull in where there was a bit of an escape road, so none of the 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 marshals had to go out onto the track. Only a bit of the rear end of the car was protruding. However, they did decide that it was enough of a safety issue and better to, of course, always to err on the side of caution rather than putting marshals uh, out. into the uh, you know potential danger, right? So no issues there. Anyways, Fernando goes in as well as many other drivers did, of course, like you see during safety car periods, served his five second penalty, went out and nobody ever thought anything more of it. We figured that this is all said and done and we're going to go on with the rest of the race and let's see if uh, Fernando is going to catch up to the Red Bulls, which of course he never was going to, nor was anyone else, because they were literally blowing the bodywork off of everyone as they cut through the field. especially Max I mean Checo once he got out in front uh, and passed Fernando what a move Fernando put on Checo at the start of the race there to take the lead although just for a brief amount of time anyways we went on we had a race we had a lot of things uh, going on and we didn't really hear anything until a couple laps from the end when all of a sudden we hear over George Russell's radio from the pit wall that you know George pick it up Fernando might be penalized again, and you want to close that gap. Fernando gets the same sort of message again at the end. I think when uh, Fernando crossed the finish line, I think that he had about five seconds, five point one seconds uh, between himself and George Russell. Anyways, he goes into Park for May. He does the interviews. He goes up onto the podium, and then shortly thereafter gets the uh, the dues the that uh, yeah they he is been found if uh with uh, with an infraction of the team working on the car due to the fact that the jack uh, the jack stand was underneath the back of the car within that uh, five seconds and technically that's that's working on the car so anyways george gets the, the the p3 and he goes off to do all the media commitments and things like that only A couple hours later to have it reinstated in Fernando's favor after the um, Aston Martin had appealed it with a video footage of six or seven other incidents where other teams had done exactly the same thing. And weren't penalized it. And then the penalty was reversed again. So Fernando was indeed eventually awarded the P3, which, you know, it was it was funny because I was out. I I watched the race, watched all the post race stuff, had a bunch of stuff to do while I was waiting to hear from Hammy and see what time we were going to do the podcast and all that stuff before I found out I was flying solo. Anyways, that's uh, you know, a bit of a tangent. Don't need to go down. I was out. I decided to stop off, grab some coffee, sitting in the drive-thru waiting to pick up my, my, my Java, and I'm kind of st- uh, scrolling through Twitter. You know, I wasn't be distracted driver. I guess I was in the drive through, so you know, don't judge me. Anyhow, uh, I see that uh, Fernando had tweeted about an hour previously something about the hundredth podium, the P three, and I'm just like, hey, Fernando, didn't you hear? You lost the P three, Theodore? Is this kind of like one of these kind of like critical tweets? Kind of like, um, you know, it, it's it's You know, you took it away from me, but it still counts in my mind kind of thing. But, you know, joke was on me, of course, got home and I'm like, I'm starting to lose track of what's going on. Anyways, what I found interesting about it was apparently that despite nothing getting flagged by the the track official that was there to monitor it during the during the pit stop itself, it was reviewed by something called the ROC, the Remote Operations Center, which is fairly similar to like we see in other sports where we have like a video replay. Uh, official. So I thought, okay, you know, that this is starting to make a little bit of sense. But where I found a little bit confusing, right, is if there was somebody in the pits watching to make sure and they got a stopwatch or whatever it is, however, they're monitoring, there was nothing flagged right away, because usually, we'll see something come up on the television feed, the commentators will see something, something official saying, car number 14 under investigation and then there'll be a reason uh, you know you know touching working on the car within five seconds stop go penalty whatever it might be and you know away we go but so when the first time we hear this like i say it was on george russell's race radio that was a little bit strange but you know if it was going to be an issue it was always going to be an issue like immediately right during the pit stop or immediately thereafter and then it it didn't really transpire so much later on and i was on tim heraney's podcast earlier and i said to him this is like in basketball at the end of the game you know the opposing coach goes up to the referee and says hey remember that foul you didn't call way back in the uh, in the first quarter i think we need to go back and take a look at that or in football you know the uh, coach throwing the challenge flag 3 plays after a missed pi call or something like that you know you, you can't go back and do it so it looks really really strange and rocky by the way i agree rock sounds way cooler than Vara and I'm not going with ROC I'm going with Rock Rock sounds actually pretty cool for the uh remote operations center or whatever it is anyhow I just thought that the timing was strange if it was going to be an issue why did it take them so long to do it and the the, the whole reaction I had to it is like I felt haven't we learned anything and I say we as in the royal we the collective we when I'm really referring to Formula One. Hasn't Formula One learned anything after 2021 and Abu Dhabi and all that? Just with thought that these sort of things would get sorted out. And I agree that obviously Formula One isn't like basketball. It isn't like football and all these other sports that have you know video replay as well. And in Formula One, of course, is different than a lot of other racing series. C- completely understand that. Totally understand that. But there has to be some sort of limit to it. I mean, it just seems kind of strange that nothing was immediately identified during the pit stop or immediately thereafter. Why does it take so long, especially when we're at lap 20 out of 30 or 50 or whatever it was this afternoon? There's still plenty of time. And if it's going to be an issue, they should have immediately said that car number 14 under investigation because reasons, right? And not have all these uh, shenanigans uh, afterwards. And I think that obviously we need some clarity, right? If um, you know Aston Martin found examples of other teams doing exactly the same thing that uh, that have happened in other instances where a, t- uh, a team has been awarded a penalty for whatever reasons that they did that, then of course there's a precedent set. As long you know they didn't have like wheel guns engaged and hands on tires and stuff like that, but if the jack stand was underneath the car but it wasn't, lift, whatever it was whatever. Aston Martin did today was the same as these previous seven examples they managed to dig up, then of course you can't enforce it without there have been a more recent directive from the FI saying, this is what you can and cannot do because there's obviously a loophole in there. There's a gray area that needs to be closed. Some sort of directive needs to be issued because I feel like now this seems to be like this this conversation we had two years ago with the application of, of, of track limits, right? It, it seemed that they weren't always consistently applying the, the the track limits it's just like track limits is defined as this and this is what's going to be from race 1 to race 23 or whatever and there's not these uh, moving goal posts uh, in between anyways long story short I'm glad that Fernando was able to keep the the, the P3 obviously 100 podiums in his uh, Formula One career is an amazing achievement. He's only the sixth driver in the history of Formula One in, what is it now, 75, 70 years, whatever it is now uh, that we've had ch- championships in the past. I mean, it is a phenomenal achievement. So congratulations uh, to him. Just Formula One, let's get it sorted out. Let's close these loopholes because it is a credibility issue. It doesn't make you guys look good and certainly it can't go on in the future <laughs> again i feel like we've had this conversation before right all right moving along let's uh, i actually want to jump into the into the mailbag or to the the tweets just get some of your thoughts and uh, just talk about some of the dish- different issues uh tweet from uh, robert carnell was watch the race tonight without seeing spoilers then hopped online saw the headline about the flip-flop penalty stuff lol <laughs> <laughs> Nothing further to end. <laughs> Robert. I think he nailed it. Uh, next one comes uh, from our good f- friend Michelle Gonzalez at Mish three ten, and her tweet is: Who finishes higher if you had to bet? Aston. Remember the second driver's Lance or Ferrari after twenty three races? You know, honestly, at this point, I'm putting my money on uh, on Aston Martin. I think that uh, two races in, I think they look good. I mean, remember their second driver's lance, Michelle. Are you throwing shade at Lance Stroll? You realize that Mark Hamilton and myself, we're probably the only two inhabitants on, on Lance Stroll Island. I admit, after the last couple of races, we've had a couple of people poking around, maybe staying around for lunch. Nobody's put a down payment or a deposit on a new place yet, but we we have hopes. Anyhow, I, I think that Lance has looked pretty good so far this year. You know, he had a mechanical issue that forced him out today after it was 18 or 20 laps that instigated the whole safety car thing. And I think he looked uh, pretty good. And I, I think that had he not gone out uh, today, that uh, he certainly would have scored points. And I would have been surprised if Lance uh, had brought home the that that Aston Martin in P4. So we'd have seen the two Red Bulls, two Aston Martins, or at least he would have been mixed up in there with the two Mercedes drivers. Would he have been, had more than uh, than George and Lewis? I think he probably would have. Mercedes. Obviously better than Ferrari today, but I think there's still a little bit of a delta. There's still a gap between uh, Aston Martin and Mercedes, but uh, Aston Martin to Ferrari. Absolutely. Uh, Tim and I talked about this on his podcast earlier that uh, one of the questions that came in was, is is Ferrari now the top fourth team in, in on the formula one grid? And I think that they absolutely are Red Bull. No doubt. This is the best class of the field by far they got one of the best drivers, obviously in Max, double world champion, reigning world champion. Sergio Perez has uh, proven that he's uh, no pushover as well, and you know, obviously winning today and he's got now what was it five w- uh, wins to his resume in Formula One. So certainly not uh, to be, uh, you know, don't turn your nose up at Sergio. He can certainly get the get the job done, and he's looked pretty good for, so far this uh, this season. Certainly f- uh, did very well last year as well. But uh, Ferrari, you can't fault anything that uh, either Charles or Carlos did today. They just didn't didn't have the speed. They just didn't have the performance. But the one thing I will give them is the the, the fact that we're not sitting here, you know, either laughing or criticizing or crying or screaming. You know, depending, you know, where your allegiance lies and where whether or not uh, you're a Ferrari fan or, or not. At least for the most part, the the the, the language and the communications and the, the the decisions being made in the pits and on the pit wall aren't as unusual or strange or downright bizarre as we've seen over the past couple of years. So I'm going to chalk that up to uh, to, to Fred Vasseur, the new uh, team principal, and I think that any changes that we're going to see f- with Ferrari under Fred Vasseur are going to be things like that. I know there was the incidents uh, between um, uh, Charles and his uh, race engineer, Zavi uh, during the race because he was giving him the advice, telling him, oh, he can do this and this between the safety car lines. And an exasperated Charles said something, oh, I need to know these things. Come on, and getting quite agitated and irritated with his engineer. So that was obviously a bit of a disconnect there. But for the most part, at least through two races, we've seen some better things. Now, we're not going to see Fred Vasseur's fingerprints and his influence on the car in any time in the, in, in the short term, right? He didn't come in until halfway through the offseason. The car for 2023 was basically all... Done and, and finished and ready to to hit the road at that point. So his influence on the build and design of a car is not going to see, be seen until this year or the until next year, or at least uh, when it comes to like what upgrades and what in-season in improvements are we going to see with the Ferrari? And are they really going to be able to close that gap to Mercedes? Are they going to be able to close that gap to uh, Aston Martin? Let's face it, they're not going to close that gap to Red Bull. At this point, I don't know if anybody can gap or close that gap to, uh, to, to, to Red Bull. But anyways, it is what it is. Certainly, I think that uh, go back to the original question, Michelle, Aston Martin 100% is going to finish ahead of a uh, Ferrari at the, at the end of the season. Anyways, I'm going to take a quick break here. Got a couple more tweets I want to jump into. Do so in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. All right, welcome back to the podcast, and a big hello to Connie Stewart, who's checking in on uh, the live stream on YouTube. And uh, Connie's comment is, "We should have a bet on the over/under of how many FIA blunders there are this year." So, yes, I guess that is obviously going to be a thing. And well, you don't count on me because to put money in because number one, I'm you know terribly cheap, but you know for for bragging rights, we should definitely uh, get some (laughs) some sort of wager going, and you know. I kind of hate to have to go there, but you know, I, I completely understand your sentiments, Connie. I feel like that this is probably overdue, and I know this is like cynical F one fans checking in and 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 saying these things, but. There, there's not a lot of confidence when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I, I really thought that we'd move beyond this. I mean, the other thing I didn't mention before the break when I was talking about the whole Fernando thing was two weeks ago in Bahrain, I mean, they were all over Esteban Ocon. What did he get at the end? Was it was it three penalties, four penalties? I lost track at one point because obviously he was awarded a five-second stop-go penalty for lining up incorrectly in his pit box, uh, or sorry, grid spot. I mean, uh, compared to Fernando, who was a little bit too far back, Esteban aligned up a little bit too far forward. And then he went in, he didn't serve the five second uh, penalty correctly, that he got a penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Seemed like he got a penalty for literally everything under the sun uh, two weeks ago. But the thing is that the, you know, when they had determined that he hadn't served his, uh, his, uh, his five second penalty correctly, that came down really quickly as did all the other penalties he was awarded with. There wasn't like this waiting for 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever it might be before they came back and said something that, that uh, that should really be you know dealt with a lot uh, quicker. Anyways, going back to Twitter now, I uh, wanted to talk about uh, a couple of things here uh, for sport. And this one comes from uh, Fred Couture. It says, "For a sport where millimeters can be the difference between winner bus, how can a second Grand Prix in a row, a team screw up a pit stop penalty? Can nobody learn from this mistake? And also, someone needs to tell Max to be gracious when he finished second. He looked like he was at a funeral." <laughs> <laughs> you know that that's actually a good um, a good observation Fred because we were talking about that too my wife uh, said too doesn't max ever look happy if he doesn't finish second or sorry finish first and you know the the one thing i said is well, he looks kind of happy. He's not ecstatic, but I think this sort of reinforces the fact that the, the, the Verstappens, they don't look happy at all if they don't uh, don't win. And I'm going to include his dad in that because didn't you guys find it interesting that after the race in the pits when everybody was coming to celebrate around the podium, Sergio literally goes and high fives and hugs everybody in that little enclosure, including a lot of the people from, from Aston Martin, which he knows obviously very well from the time that he was with the team when it was racing point and there uh, before that uh, as Force. India. And they look just as happy for him as Red Bull did. So I thought that was uh, really cool to see. And then he goes around you know, he's high-fiving, hugging his own teammates and everything. And kind of in between the two groups of Red Bull personnel was Yas for staffing. And I mean, you know, if looks could kill, right? Oh my God, the, the icy stare in his eyes and the fact that he didn't move, you know, that, that, that to me said volumes. I think that on the surface, I think they're doing a pretty good job that, um, you know, at least, you know, it gives appearances that there's harmony in this team, but I wouldn't be surprised that below the surface, there's something a little bit more because the, the way that Joss, or sorry, Joss was, was unflinching and obviously didn't want to high five. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't crack a smile or anything. He just looked really, really upset, you know, it kind of makes me wonder is there still bad blood on the Verstappen side of the garage compared to the, uh, you know, versus the Perez side of the garage, going back to that alleged, you know, Sergio crashing on accident slash on purpose at Monaco last year because I think we were all really shocked last year when uh, we heard Max's tirade at the end of the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix and the fact he did uh, no favors to uh, uh, Sergio that day and all all he knows why, you guys know why, and that, that whole saga which we don't have to get into. So, I Think that there's you know there there might be something uh, to that, but I was I was thinking too, and I thought about this uh, quite a bit uh, this afternoon. And I I often was thinking to myself, I don't think it gets to the point this season that um, th- that these two are legitimately fighting for the world championship. I think that if Max got pretty close to um, you know passing Sergio today, I think he gets that uh, you know that message in the in over race radio, you know just stay where you are, team mortars kind of thing. Let's you would take this one home because let's face it. If Ma- Max didn't have that drive shaft issue in qualifying that uh, made him start as, start as far back as he did, Max takes pole in this race, and by extension of that, Max, unless he has another mechanical issue, is is going to win this race. I mean, he rarely puts a wheel wrong. I mean, he's a very precise driver. He's very accurate, and like all the the really great drivers in Formula One, he rarely makes mistakes of something that he does on his own, right? We we've, we don't see guys like Lewis do that and, and all the great drivers, they, they rarely put a wheel wrong. So I think that if Max starts pole, if he's leading this race, that's his race to win. But I think on the balance of what happened over the weekend, you give this one to Sergio now in a couple of weeks we start with a fresh race and we go off to a new track and all that sort of stuff and the slate is wiped uh, clean and I just don't see it going on and on over the the, the long term because I don't think that's like a healthy thing to do because I I think like compared to Ferrari do do we actually know yet at Ferrari if they've made that decision is Charles the you know the the number one or are we just making that assumption or are we just kind of going on the on the assumption that it's been for the last couple of years operating under former team principal Mateo Bonato that you have Charles and and, and Carlos who are Co number ones, which in in my mind, inexperience in Formula One never typically works. Anyways, going back to um, to, uh, to 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 Red Bull, I can't see it to the point where they would let them compete for the, the the Formula One World Championship. I think that you know what what Max and his his team, like you know Team Verstappen, that is, and you know his his dad and his management, you know, they would throw a lot of uh, pressure on Red Bull not to let that happen. Besides, would you really want that dynamic in the garage next? year that if you get into close situations again then you have uh, Max who's won two championships and theoretically Sergio winning a championship this year which I don't think is going to happen you know it could come down to that it's just like well you know they could be having that conversation and Sergio says well you know Christian that's all well and good but I'm reigning world champion shouldn't I be the one getting the you know the you know being the preference of you know, strategy and and all that, all the uh, track position, whatever it might be, rather than Max. Of course not. This is a team that has been built around Max. This is a team that's for Max. This is a car that's built around Max. And I, I just still I see that if it came to unfold that and and Sergio won this and, and beat Max, you know. Sergio versus Max on the track. I just don't see that that would be a good dynamic that they would uh, they would want. I mean, you know, could it get as nasty as 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 Rosberg versus Hamilton? I don't think so, but but who knows, right? We there's there's a lot. We saw the tip of the iceberg, I think, in Brazil and some of the things that came out in social media afterwards, you know, interesting enough from, enough from Verstappen's mother, right? So I think there's a lot that we're not seeing, a lot of things that we aren't hearing. And I just don't think that that's that Red Bull camp is, is maybe as sunny as it might look on the, on the surface. Anyways, the uh, next one comes from a good friend of the show, Joe Santucci at ATX Santucci. And Joe's um, comment is how disgusted are you by Fernando's podium being given to George post race, post celebration with uh, the gif that, uh, <laughs> that he included was I am disgusted. Yeah. You know, I, I thought, I thought it was, it, it was a bad look for formula one. And it kind of goes back to that that discussion that we had first of all a couple of years ago. It kind of started low key, right? When we were just like, you know, what what is what is the application? What what is with the inconsistency with like applying track limits? Excuse me, and things like that, and the inconsistency there. And of course, that reached a crescendo after Abu Dhabi in twenty one, and rightly so. Last year, you know, it wasn't such an issue at times, but it, it it's come back in a way that my, my re- immediate reaction was I was annoyed. I was frustrated. I'm just like, this This is not a good look for Formula One. It really kind of gives it a Bush League look. So, you know, guys, you really need to go and take a look and, and, and try and close these loopholes. I mean, Aston Martin's um, appeal I think was legit I think that they they obviously found material that that consolidated and really solidified their arguments and that's you know that that's that's their prerogative that's their right to do so because if other teams were doing the exact same thing and they never penalized for it then their argument rightly shows should be why should we but the way that it was handled the way that they took it away, and obviously Joe sent me this tweet before he heard that it was given back to to, to Fernando. I mean, this whole flip-floppy stuff was just, it was just not a good uh, good luck. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on this one. Uh, the last one comes from Ray in SD. I'm not sure if that's Ray in San Diego or Ray in South Dakota or Ray in South Denver. Whatever SD is glad to have you on board Ray and thanks for the for the tweet and uh, which he says disappointed lack of competition or competition and racing also why is F1 the only series in which no one defends race position because it is quote-unquote it's not their race and we we did see that right Uh, a number of cars especially and wasn't that incredible just watching the way that Max carved his way through the field it was just uh, absolutely incredible the way that uh, he blew by the Ferraris blew by the Mercedes and even Fernando wasn't able to Um, you know, to, to put up too much of a fight, but we saw it, especially when you see cars on different strategies and different tire compounds and things like that. Sometimes they don't put up a fight with the car that's faster with them because, you know, they're, they, they, they're, they're not fighting with them because they realize that their, their battle is with the car that's in front of them, which the car, they, that the faster car that just overtook them is probably going to overtake them or the cars behind them because they're on similar strategies, I agree, you know, that's, that is a little bit frustrating sometimes to watch when, you know, they just kind of like let them go by. It's just like, okay, well, why are you not making it more difficult for them, right? I mean... To kind of put it into context with other sports, it's like in, in football, for example, you have a team that's on the cusp of getting a wild card or making the playoffs or whatever it is, and they come up against a team that's like 2-15 and 15 or 3-14, and 14, whatever it is, they have had a horrible you know, season. But that's sometimes the fun of watching the NFL or football or any sport, right, is that when you get down to these crucial times of the season that some of these teams that have struggled and have horrible seasons... You know, their playoffs, their Super Bowl, whatever it might be, all of a sudden becomes to play that spoiler and to to try to throw a wrench into the, you know, this other team's, you know, because you, know, like, you don't always get, you know, teams that kind of like roll over. I know that's maybe not the greatest comparison or analogy, but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? It's just like, yeah, maybe that car isn't the car that you know that you're going to be racing with for position at the end of the race, but you know, at least try and put up a bit of a fight that, you know, just don't let them because they got DRS or whatever it might be just to blow by you on the track. And, 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 and that's it, at least try and defend that uh, position, try and slow them down for as long as you can, even if it's half a lap, maybe it's two laps, three laps, because, you know, what about pride? What about uh, trying to, you know, stay as long in front and as high as you are, because who's to say maybe that car, you know, you, know, you can defend that position till the end of the race. You never know, right? However, it was, uh, Jerry Blaney, uh, checked in to, to answer to raise a tweet and said hundred percent for the third race, everyone backed off, uh, and held station, even max. And why didn't Lewis go after George time for Lewis to move on? Ooh, that's, that's an interesting take right there. We did uh, see, uh, two weeks ago, it was Lewis that finished in front of George at Bahrain and then vice versa this, uh, the, the, this afternoon, Lewis, he kind of passive aggressively threw the team under the bus say that he wasn't too happy about about the car after the uh, the the Bahrain Grand Prix, he kind of walked it back earlier this week in the media day at uh, at Jetta. But I don't know is it is it time for Lewis to move on? I don't think so, not yet. Certainly, I think Lewis has a lot to to you know to to give to the sport and to give to the team and. This is not a great car. This is you, you could tell that Lewis wasn't really pushing it this afternoon, whereas George was felt a little bit more, you know, pushing it harder than some of the other drivers were. But you could even tell that Lewis wasn't happy with it. He did say that uh, he wasn't happy with the, the, especially the harder comp, the hard compound tires early in the race and that was another interesting thing just to kind of bring it back to uh, fernando and obviously the, the the red bull is the class of the field but the reason why i think that the red or sorry the, the aston martin is the second best car on the track right now was the fact that we heard and this was kind of like one of those little snippets of race radio that kind of like got dropped in there when after fernando had that now infamous uh, pit stop he when he switched onto the hard tires he said uh, said something to the fact i'm really liking how these tires feel and i, I thought that was really. Interesting. that was really. Interesting because other cars didn't do as well on the hard tires. You're kind of taking longer to get them up to to temperature, get into that uh, sweet spot, get into the window where those tires perform, uh, you know, optimally. But Fernando and you can tell, like when Fernando is, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, right? When when he's unhappy about something, he'll say it. He'll he'll get on the radio, but you can tell there's a real, uh, you know, a, a real edge to his voice. You can tell he's irritated or upset about something. But when I heard that. To me, it sounded like he was also very satisfied with the the way that you know not only were the tires working well, but you could just tell he was satisfied. He was in the groove, and the car was uh, doing well. He did say, uh, you know, like uh, later on that uh, you know there was <laughs> it wasn't going to be enough to to catch the Red Bulls, but you know nobody can really catch the the, the, the Red Bulls at the uh, at the moment. Okay, well let's uh, move along. Let's talk about a, a couple of uh, more things uh, here um, before we uh, shut it down. I don't think I can go the usual 90 minutes uh, between the uh, <laughs> by myself, but I can with, uh, with, uh, Mark uh, Hamilton, but you know, Ferrari again, uh, I, I think it was uh, just uh, really interesting to see how slow they were compared to, to er- everyone else. But, um, you know we'll have to to wait and see. I'm just going to go back here to the uh, the the race results here and just uh, there was a couple other different ones uh, different storylines I just wanted to address uh, briefly before uh, I sign off for the evening in a few minutes. So as I said earlier, uh, we saw the uh, the the two Alpines of Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly. They came home in P eight and nine, which I think was a, a good result uh, for them. Uh, and after the restart, they came very close to uh, maybe touching, getting a little bit closer than uh, was comfortable. And that really would have put uh, the, the theory to test that both of these guys claim that uh, that they're they're getting along and uh, they're you know everything that uh, you know any bad blood that there was between them was. Uh, uh, you know like that uh, was uh, you know has been put well to rest so actually I was a little bit mistaken I got uh, I said earlier in the in uh, in the broadcast that this was uh, Pierre Gasly's uh, second race and the first time that he scored points I got that mixed up last week or two weeks ago he did score points he got a P9 I was for some silly reason I got him mi- mixed up with uh, with Esteban Ancon I thought he got the, those points but of course Esteban he had that horrible race and actually was a DNF in the end so Pierre Gasly two races in to his Alpine career scored uh, points twice and then uh, P8 for Esteban uh, this weekend. I think that that was right where they uh, they, they needed to be. And I think that um, obviously this is a, a work in progress, but we'll see, are they going to be able to, to, to move up? Certainly, I think that um, what was interesting this afternoon was even though that there was quite a distance between them and and the race leaders, was that even though uh, they they finished P8 and 9, when you look where Charles Leclerc was finishing uh, P7, which also was a fairly good recovery drive from him. I mean, it was only six points, but still, you know, he was never going to catch uh, Carlos Sainz. Sainz was never going to catch up to the uh, Mercedes. And certainly he was never going to have a chance to catch the, uh, the the two Ferrari, or sorry, the two Aston Martins until Lance dropped out. and Certainly nobody, regardless of uh, who they are, are, going to catch the, the the Red Bulls at the moment. Anyways, um, so uh, Charles, he finishes um, ahead of the two um, uh, Alpines, but Esteban was only about eight or nine seconds behind, which I know was a, a fair distance, but there was only two seconds or so between Esteban and his teammates, so that uh, looked pretty good. K-Mag uh, finishing P10, getting a point for Haas uh, this weekend. And I'm liking the dynamic I'm seeing between Nico Hulk and uh, and Kevin Magnuson. Hulk, he finished out the points in in P ten. Uh, the the two uh, Hasses were uh, separated by Yuki Tsunoda, which uh, I thought was one of the more humorous moments uh, during the broadcast when uh, they uh, broadcast or played like his somewhat surprised reaction to being passed by K Mag into turn one. And K Mag, boy, did he ever pick that point! to pass Yuki at absolute perfection because he went really deep into that little left right chicane that little flick left right into turn 1 and 2 and managed to keep it on the track didn't exceed trans or track limits and go into the runoff area and cut the corner and then have to give it back so Full full marks to him for for keeping that uh, between the white lines and taking home a point for that. But uh, the 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 point is that I like uh, with uh, with Magnussen and Hulkenberg is is that uh, I, I think that Günther Steiner has seen or they believe that this uh, this Haas is a car that uh, is capable of delivering points and points uh, finishes and a, a large reason why Mick Schumacher didn't come back this year was replaced by Nico Hulkenberg is that they want to put the, the this car into the hands of drivers. That are capable to score points, hopefully from their point of view, on a more uh, regular basis. Whether or not Magnussen and, uh, and and uh, and and Hulkenberg can do that, that remains to be seen. But um, Hulkenberg, I think he's done good in the first couple of uh, races. Of course, he's been a part-time fill-in driver for the last year or so. You know, we've we've only really seen him filling in at Aston Martin and some other teams as uh, as a replacement driver during, especially during the COVID era when when guys would test positive wouldn't be able to race and and we saw hulkenberg kind of like drop in a couple of times of course uh, he's going to need the the time to fully get um you know re re-accl- uh, with formula one get his conditioning back but the first couple of races have been uh, fairly decent uh, from from kevin uh, magnuson as well and valtteri bottas whew Boy, what happened to Valtteri today? He was down in P18. He was the only car that was lapped on the uh, the streets of Jeddah this afternoon. The only two cars that, uh, that weren't classified were Lance Stroll, who uh, retired in lap 16, and then uh, Alex Albon in the uh, uh, Williams, who retired in lap 27. After his uh, brakes failed, and talk about a, a track where you don't want to have your brakes fail, Jetta would certainly be the one. But Bottas, really, really, you know, not really there. And uh, Joe Guan Yu was uh, kind of was mixing it up in that group that included himself, Nick DeFries, Oscar Piastri, Logan Sargeant, L- Lando Norris. I know that was the back of the grid, but that was uh, some uh, exciting racing that I'm sure we all were craving to see higher up the uh, the, the the race order with the with the big names. But unfortunately. Unfortunately, we didn't see it, but uh, even though finished uh, P13, I thought uh, Joe looked uh, especially racy today, which is good to see. You can tell now that he's a guy that's got a year of Formula One under his belt. I thought he looked uh, a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more comfortable mixing it up, you know, either having to defend a position or trying to to overtake. So that was uh, good to see. Logan Sargent finished uh, P16. So obviously not as good as his debut a couple of weeks ago, in which he finished P12 in Bahrain, only just out of the points, which was two places behind uh, Alex Albon, who got a a point in in that race, but he looked good, right? I, I thought that uh, you know he, he was looked comfortable out there, fighting for a position with uh, with with uh, DeFries, with Joe, with uh, with the with the McLaren drivers. So that was a uh, good fun uh, to see. But then also uh, equally as interesting was watching the two McLaren drivers. Boy, you know, Mark and I talked about it on the weekly show a couple of days ago. That you know that uh, that, that the wheels have fallen off the McLaren hype machine. Boy, have they ever. I mean, that, you know, I, I know that uh, Zach Brown was saying that, you know, th- this is not going to be, this is not going to be a good start to the season and that, uh, you know, that the potential in this car is not going to be unlocked until a number of races from now until we can start getting some, some upgrades on the car, some improvements on the car and, you hopefully these are magical improvements because if you're a McLaren fan, you're not seeing a lot right now to really be excited about. And, and Lando was actually told to move out of the way of a Piastri Piastri, finished today of course he didn't finish in bahrain a couple of weeks ago had a dnf because of a, a mechanical problem lando had those uh, problems with the what was it the hydraulics or pneumatics whatever it was and went in for four five six pit stops in in bahrain which was uh, you know <laughs> obviously Disappointing in his weekend, but uh, Piastri, you know, he, he's got to prove that he deserves that seat because he, he's a guy that, I mean, I, I don't think it's uh, an overstatement to say that there was controversy in, in the way that he got that McLaren seat at the expense of Danny Ricciardo because there was that whole saga and then the twitter denial that uh, after alpine announced that uh, piastri was going to be contracted to them would be driving for them in 23 and he rebuffed them and denied it pretty quick so he has to prove that uh, that he deserves that seat and i think uh, today he certainly uh, did that now talking about danny ricardo danny ricardo fan i hate to say this but after two races is anybody saying we missed danny ricardo <laughs> I'm not hearing it right now and 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 I'm a guy that uh, really enjoyed watching uh, Danny Ricardo during his time in Formula 1 but that was a thing right is uh, before the start of the season Christian Horner was saying basically he kind of threw that challenge out there to to Sergio Perez and and basically said, well, you know, if you don't if you're not going to get the job done, we got Danny Ricardo and, and I'm parsing and paraphrasing here, of course. Danny Ricardo's is radi- waiting in, in the wings and is more than willing and capable to take your seat if you don't need it. But after two races, I don't think Checo's feeling nervous right uh, right now, and I, I don't think that Ricardo is is really missed by too many. Of course. We, we all miss him for his his sense of humor, his personality, and all those things. But after the couple of um, you know last couple of years and the way that his career really started to slowly decline after he left to Red Bull at the twenty at the end of the twenty eighteen season, went to what was then Renault, and then before leaving to go to McLaren. You know, sorry, Danny, I, I, I don't think anybody misses you right now. And, and Checo certainly is not going to be losing any sleep. And Connie, I agree with you. Sorry, Danny, you aren't replacing Checo was her comments. And, you know, plus one on that, uh, Connie, I agree with you. A hundred percent. Anyways, guys, I think that's it. Usually when Mark's here, we go for about 90 minutes I'm looking at the timer right now and I see I'm at about 44 minutes so just kind of like going from that kind of budget that based on just time alone that you know I've, I've almost reached my allotted 45 minutes plus you know when, when Hammy's not here it makes it a little bit difficult and I'll be perfectly honest I don't know how, how Hammy went for like an hour and 15 minutes on his own when I was away for work the other week because I I know I did this show on my own for a couple of years before Mark and I partnered up. But uh, certainly I'm going to give him, you know, props and mad respect for what uh, he did two weeks ago. So th- this is, you know, I gave it the good old college try here tonight and uh, certainly uh, appreciate all the messages and the tweets. And, you know, big shout out to, to Rocky and Connie and those of you that managed to drop by and hang out in the in the live stream tonight. Much appreciate you guys uh, flying or sitting in the co-pilot seat uh, tonight and uh, keeping me focused. Much appreciated anyways i'm going to park it there i pulled into park for may and much like uh, max verstappen i'm going to kind of park it wherever the hell i want rather than where i should be but fortunately compared to sergio Perez, i don't have my competitor's father standing you know boring you know icy daggers into my back as i see as as i sign off here so i'm just going to leave it there thank you all for for checking in tonight Thank you all for for downloading the show. If you want to get in touch, send us an email at ScooterF1Pod at gmail.com or tweet us at ScooterF1Pod. If you like the show, leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to it. It really does help us a lot and is a simple and quick way to support the show. Anyways, that's it for now. Have a great week, guys. Hammy and I will be back on Thursday night. Until then, have a great week. Bye for now.